Quick disclaimer before we get on with the episode. This episode was recorded several months ago, but because of my job and life getting in the way, I didn't have time to edit it until now. With that out of the way, in this episode we talk about breaking news about the LEGO NES system, which I can confirm is awesome by the way. We have some more news about virtual cons that as of this point have already happened, and some more anime coming back after Japan opening back up after the lockdown. There's also a Tom's top five of something about crossing over or something like that. And we also have a massive discussion on some rumors about a shakeup going on at Lucasfilms. Well, we also getting sidetracked about just talking about Star Wars in general. I'm your host, Chris. Get your hyperdrive dialed in because you're listening to episode two of channel 132 podcast. Hello and welcome to episode two of Channel 132 Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Chris. Joining me today is Thomas. Hello. And we also have another guest joining us later in the show. He can't join us right now, but he will join us with our main topic, where we talk about the rumors of Star Wars possibly being rebooted. So... Can't wait to get into that whole mess of a topic there. I guess it's been a little bit of some time since we recorded the first episode. And I'm looking back at at the Discord chat that we had. And it looks like we recorded back on June 15th. And as of recording now, it's, it's now July 17th. Partly my fault, partly work, partly other stuff. You know, it's just been recording a, a or not recording editing an episode and i just i hate audacity i mean it's a good program and it's free but i just hate editing in the program and i need to find a better program to to edit something or to edit that in but they all cost money and i don't have a lot of it right now so i have to slog through with all that but anyway interesting stuff that's happened i guess I can go first here. I finished uh, watching Dark on Netflix. That was a three-season show that was, I want to say, in German. If um, it was either German or Dutch, I can't remember what which one exactly. But there was also a English dub to it as well. If you didn't feel like reading the subtitles, but I think the best way to describe it is. A mix of Lost with Twin Peaks and some other of those shows in that genre all thrown together and mashed up. It's at its core a time traveling show where it's constantly going back in time, forward in time, not sideways in time. So that's good. But uh, it's just a really, really intriguing show. And I think it handled time travel pretty well. And it it was just one of those shows where it just, it kept you interested from the very beginning to the very end. The one complaint that I have though, and it's more of on Netflix's end, I think that they've just done a very horrible job of doing the, the recaps, I guess, that they play at the beginning of each season, because it's been like a year between each season that's come out and by that time you've pretty much forgotten a lot of the plot points 
and for a show like that, it's 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 there's a whole lot going on in there, so it, it's hard to keep track of that. But but yeah, if you haven't heard of it or if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend that you check it out if you have Netflix. And if you don't, just pay the the, the thirteen dollars or something for a month and and just marathon the whole thing and then cancel it. <laughs> I'm sure Netflix will thank you for the for uh, your advertisement. Hey, just pay thirteen bucks and yeah. cancel it. <laughs> or, or you know, just borrow something your friend's account or something like that. You know, I'm sure they won't mind. Yep, uh, I'm sure they're doing it already. You know, no, uh, no, I'm forking over the fourteen dollars a month. Yeah, I don't know if I sound. I don't know if I sound any different from last episode. I upgraded my microphone, and I also got a much, much better mic arm for my desk that just works so much better, and I'm so much more happier with that. And I feel like there was more I wanted to talk about, but I can't remember anything. And I should have wrote it down, but I didn't. So with that being said, I'm gonna pass it on to Thomas. And if I remember anything, I'll... You'll I'll just jump in and interrupt yeah. me, because it's yeah. your show. I'll, I'll just cut <laughs> you off and, and talk for you. So, you know. so I've, I've had a very interesting... Most of it has been what I've been watching, not so much what I've been playing. You know, I watched Big Green uh, for the first time in years. I've been watching Common Rider, uh, in particular, I restarted Lupin Rangers versus Patton Rangers, which was uh, the Simper Sentai for a couple years ago. I think the most interesting thing that's happened to me has I've discovered an online Japanese store called Mandrake, which sells toys, comics, doujin, all types of different Japanese. Do they sell body animation. pillows too? What? Do they have body pillows as well? They do. They do okay. sell body pillows, art books, everything you could want at like kind of discount prices because a lot of this stuff is. Uh, used like they they don't put any like, and I say used in like you know uh, like uh, a manga may have like sort of a bend because it was on a bookshelf or it was like it was on display so maybe a toy was on display in a box so the box is kind of damaged but the toy is perfectly fine. But it, it, so, so it just to interrupt here, it's it's interesting with the Japanese market because there's a there's a huge secondary market for uh, anime figures and the like so yeah. it, it's i find it funny how like in thrift stores in japan they have entire sections of just secondhand anime figures oh, i will get to that yeah. let me get to that because it's <laughs> part of the story so and then what's interesting is how i got to all this so it started literally right after the last episode for whatever reason out of the thin blue i'm like man i wish i could take it. you know what i like to do i always want to take a train to New York, to L.A. I wonder if that's possible. So I typed at it on YouTube, and it took me to this channel called Dylan's Travel Reports. And he showed how to take a train from New- on Amtrak from New York uh, to L.A. through the roomettes, which are single rooms uh, that can have one or two people. And, yeah, he rode from, like, New York. At- he had to change trains in Chicago. But, yeah, you can ride from New York all the way to uh, L.A. uh, on Amtrak, which I guess depending on what time of year uh, and which train you take, because there are several different trains from Chicago to L.A., uh, can be a very scenic route, uh, particularly the California Zephyr, 
which goes through the Rocky Mountains in Colorado during the winter looks amazing. But eventually I started watching more of his videos and he did one on the bullet train in Japan where he rode the bullet train and showed like, these are the amenities in first, because that's what he does. It's like, here are the amenities in first class. Here's how your seat looks or your room looks. Here's how the bathrooms look. I mean, literally he goes, <laughs> he doesn't show himself going to the bathroom, but like they, the faucet works, the water works, you know? So he like, does reviews. Yeah. And that led me, because watching that video, YouTube's algorithm then uh, suggested, oh, well, watch this video from a channel called Jap- Japan Abroad. Okay, yeah. Have you heard of that? I th- yes. It follows um, a guy named Chris Broad, who is a British guy who started out as like an English teacher in Japan and now does YouTube videos. He's part, I guess he's part of something called the Tokyo creative something, which like now features like Higu and anime man and several other YouTubers who live in Japan. And so I started watching his videos and uh, like, he did like five things you needed in Tokyo and in Osaka. And like, so I was watching those and that got me in particular the Tokyo one got me into Akihabara. I'm like, Hmm, you know, there's an arcade there. I wonder if there are any arcade tours. <laughs> uh, so I typed that in, and that brought me to a channel called um, Kid Shuriken. Okay, yep. You've heard of him? Yep. Okay, so like he does tours, but like also like Japan. He lives in Japan, buys Japanese import, does reviews, and he does tours of like arcades. But he also does ones of figure stores. This is, by the way, where that this second hit this guy comes into play. So I'm watching hit these tours of the Japanese um, like figure stores, and I'm seeing the prices of figures that I know and I can remember, like at anime conventions, they're trying to sell for three hundred dollars. In Japan, they're being sold for thirty. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, y'all mother effers can kiss my white ass. Like this, this is bull stick. Like, just how low these prices are for yeah. stuff that at convention. It's like, this is wrong on so many levels. This ain't right. I need to get to Japan. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and that led me to, like, searching more on anime figures. And I found a guy called uh, Saved Him. I'm not sure. When I find it, I'll maybe bring it at the end of the episode. But I found this other guy who does figures, and he eventually did a video that talked about Mandrake, which led me to Mandrake, and that's how I found the store. So YouTube is yes. now going to affiliate my anime collecting. <laughs> yep. You can't escape from it. No. <laughs> but, yeah, I remembered the other thing I wanted to talk about, too, and it, it ties in with YouTube. In, in YouTube's vast algorithm, algorithmic wisdom, it popped up this one video from a channel called Kenny Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. And the title of the video was called The Best Bad Anime. And the anime title, or the, the name of the anime, is called Charge Man Ken. And it was released in 1974. And it's like the lowest of low-budget anime ever. They're five episodes, they're five-minute episodes, and there are 65 episodes in total. And it's this like psychopathic little child with this super powered laser gun that shoots these aliens that disguise themselves as as humans 
but the problem with the the main problem with the episodes are they're so short that they don't they they can't even explain the plot. So <laughs> you're just watching it and you have no idea what is going on. And he said in the video and it was great because it's like these episodes they have a beginning and they have an end. <laughs> it's just like, so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm like looking at them and I'm like watching the clips that he's showing and I'm like, I gotta, I, I gotta at least check this out for myself. So, and I was like, who released this like to, for, for people to consume at this point? So I did a search, a, a Google search, and it's up on Amazon Prime as well as Crunchyroll. So if you do a search for Charge Man Ken, you can watch all 65 ep- episodes of this absolute insanity. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. You know, one of the animes actually I was looking forward to watching this season has turned out to be one of those. They're like 12-minute episodes. Yeah. It's, so um, T- Timothy Prill or something like that. And the I'll, have to, I'll look it up a second. I actually I did, by the way, find out the channel. The anime figure. It's anime. Please one two three. Oh yes, I follow that that guy there. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. His, his, uh, excessive love for all things Centora from Masume, yes. which is uh, Peter Grill. I was almost I'm not saying it was Peter Grill and the Philosopher's Stone. Okay, which is on Crunchyroll and now has two videos up. Uh, so um, yeah, so I'm thinking about watching this series if you can call it that and reporting back on my thoughts of charge man, Ken and seeing if it is as insane as people say it is. So, well, to quote Robin Williams, you do that and have fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> so look out for that later on and you may just, may just feature that in a future episode of the channel. So. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Your Dragon Buster can't stop the most powerful robot in the universe. The what? The slime pit. This is our new city, Metroplex. It can transform into a battle station and then transform again into the gigantic Metroplex himself. Alright, so jumping into the news, the top story we have is Lego and Nintendo are teaming up yet again. I guess you could call it yet again because they still haven't yet they, they still have yet to release the 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 like Nintendo action sets with the the electronic Mario little, not minifig, but little figure there that makes noise when you jump on the Goombas and hit the the Lego fire uh, flower and stuff like that. But they are releasing a Lego NES with a CRT TV and a game cart as well. The only bad part about this, though, is... It's $230. Not, no. None of it is actually really playable per se. So when I first heard about this, I was like, like my mind was just going crazy. And I'm like, is this an actual working unit that like you're able to mod and, and all that type of stuff? Or is it just going to be an actual construction set? I am sure. I mean, I'm willing to put money down. That there are <laughs> modders who oh, will yeah. find a way. <laughs> 
you could easily throw a Raspberry Pi in this thing and yeah. do a, a, an actual working NES. Oh god, that'd be great! Raspberry Pi have like access to like two thousand games. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, it contains two thousand six hundred and that or a Pandora's box. Yeah, and basically the, the cool thing is, so it, it looks like a full size NES system. And the CRT TV that it comes with is probably about three times the size height-wise as the NES, and probably about close to about the same size width-wise. The cool thing about the the TV, though, is it's got one of those like revolving pictures. So yeah. you crank the side of it, and it's like the first level of uh, Super Mario Brothers, where... Uh, the image in Lego is scrolling across, and you got this little Mario Lego plate on a uh, stick that's kind of moving around up and down on the the field as mm-hmm. well. So that's like the interactive part of it. But it gets even kind of cooler though, because if you have that little electronic Mario figure and you put it on top of the CRT TV and you crank that wheel. The, the little electronic Mario figure is going to make the sounds of the Mario, the action that the Mario is doing on the TV. So if the Mario hits the hits the question block, it's going to make that little coin sound. If it jumps on a Goomba, it makes that squish sound. If it jumps, it makes the jump sound. So it's pretty cool, and I'm definitely going to pick one up. But the question is, do I pick one up or do I pick two? And it would be one to display... And then one to mod for the eventual mod that's going to come out, because you know one they're going to they're going to mod it so that the NES is going to have like the Raspberry Pi, or I'm sure someone is going to find a way to put the actual board into the Lego NES. Uh, it's going to happen. Yeah, and then the TV itself. There's more than enough room to put in a small LCD display in there. I mean, oh. you, could even, you could even do oh. just the LCD display and the Raspberry Pi in the in the TV itself too. If Hell, you want I'm, to do that, I'm sure somebody is going to find a way to put an actual CRT TV in there. Uh, I'm not. You would have to extend the back of the t- uh, of the Lego TV in order to fit a tube in there uh, to do that because it is kind of tiny. Like you'd have to get one of those black and white probably 13 inch 12 inch no not the 12 the one of those black and white like six inch portable tvs to get to get put in there well Uh, i I think one of them probably gonna like i'll buy two of the um sets and then just like double yeah yeah so like make the tv bigger plus i'm sure the little mario plate there is going to be quite expensive too because it's it's pretty much exclusive to this set but with all that, though, too, I think $230 is a pre- pretty reasonable price for that type of Lego set as well. Yeah, I wouldn't know because I'm not a Lego collector. Now, if you ask me about Gundam model kits, that's a completely different story. <laughs> <laughs> My, I, I, I've got quite a few Star I, Wars Lego sets, and yeah. those are anywhere from like two to close to almost $500 a piece, so... And the bigger sets can be, you know, daunting to 
not just start, but also continue on. Like I have my zero custom endless waltz, perfect grade Gundam, the the one that lights up, and I've still only done I think an arm. <laughs> yeah, For the year and a half, two years yeah. I've had it. <laughs> that and that's mostly due to fear of getting to the chest piece to where you put the like. Do I need to fuse these wires in or? Yeah. So, because I don't have a, like um whatever you know the thing that the sparks that you like fuse wires into a piece. Oh, the soldering iron or something. Yeah, yeah. But then again, it'd it be soldering into plastic. I don't know if that would be. <laughs> you could do it, but you'd have to be very careful. Yeah. So I don't right. even know if I need the solder, but you just. It... Yeah. Last episode we talked about virtual cons. Uh, I think we talked about San Diego Comic-Con going virtual since the virus and everything happening and them not able to have a physical con. And then Funimation had a virtual con just because they felt like it, which I did join. And there were some good things on there. I didn't like Saturday, though, because (laughs) Saturday basically devolved into a, especially in Room 2, was basically a massive Aniplex commercial. (laughs) <laughs> so it was just kind of disappointing. Friday was pretty nice, but Saturday was just kind of meh. But PAX South and PAX Prime or West, depending on how you like to call it, they unfortunately aren't happening this year because of the coronavirus. So they're combining both of the virtual cons, both of the actual cons into a virtual con that's starting September 12th that goes to through September 20th. So that's nine days of a convention going on where they're going to have panelists or panels, game demos that you can download directly to your computer. So there's going to be no two-hour line that you have to just stand there and wait in order to play 15 minutes of a game. There's also going to be vendors and a lot more coming. So check out, I believe it's paxsite.com for more information. They haven't released any like official signing up to get more information on it or anything like that. So just check out that site for uh, updated information. So I, I do like your, by the way, for the notes that Chris gives us, I do like your note at the bottom here of, so make sure you don't shower for a couple of weeks prior to, to get the truly authentic con feel and smell. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I, the thing that interests me on this yep. is the game demos. Yes. I, you know, I would really look forward to being able to, like, oh, I can try out all these different games on my computer. It's both good and bad. The one thing that I really like about going to PAX with is being able to play the game and then talking to the developer after or while I'm playing the game. So that's one thing that will be missing from having a virtual con this year but like the biggest thing that won't be missing is really just the the standing and walking for eight hours a day although i did get a chance to go to pax east for all four days this past year so i did get that out of my system before everything got shut down so well you know the thing about it is um i mean going forward after the the rona uh, goes away and we we can go back to conventions. I do hope these conventions do do some virtual stuff still because 
you know, one good thing about all these cons going virtual is it's allowed people who normally can't go to these conventions for many different reasons have the ability to go and experience, you know, what panels are like and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that's a very good thing that, you know, going forward, I hope continues. It's funny because this kind of has sort of been like a blessing in disguise because I think it's, it's led convention organizers realize that you can have a successful event online and it's also opened their eyes to another audience of people that are not able to physically attend a con, whether it be some sort of mental illness or issue that like prevents them from going to a uh, being in a big crowd. Or financial, for that matter. Or, financial, are, or, or having some other type of physical or health issue that prevents them from being around a large group of people. I mean, a particular financial, it's like there's a lot of people who they only can go to one con a year and doing yeah. this opens up for those, you know, I'm thinking of like oh God, 10 years ago on PS, because it was the PS3, I don't know if the PS4 had quite been released yet, but I remember like the PS3 had their like sort of interactive virtual world. Yep. And I remember like E3, it's like, oh, they had like this virtual auditorium and you can go and you could watch the press conference there. And yeah, I remember it being was, full as we watched it. That was PS3 because I was in the PlayStation Home. That's right, yes. PlayStation did, Home. I think they did it two years because there was one year where they they streamed the keynote in an in a theater in the, the home there. Yeah. And then there was another year where they had a digital E3 booth in PlayStation Home. And then eventually they shut down home, which was kind of sad, but. Yeah, I, I really, I remember, like, I had my room filled with stuff from, like, the two E3s there. So, like, and it was sad that they shut down home. Yeah. Um, and I'll, before we get off virtual cons, I'll just bring back, you know, also last weekend was a fan-driven con called KaijuCon, uh, done by my good friend Kaiju uh, Yount. It, because, you know, G-Fest was canceled, which is a Godzilla convention, which happens every year. Uh, I believe this year was actually supposed to be in San Francisco. It's been in, like, Chicago, though. And it was really good. You can actually find all the panels right now if you go to uh, KaijuCast on YouTube. He has a playlist of Ka- uh, KaijuCon, put all the panels there. Uh, I got to see the first – unfortunately, I had a very busy weekend, so I didn't get to see most of them. But I got to see a couple – of the first ones. And the two that I got to see were, uh, one was on the great yokai battle, which was, there's this movie from 2005 where this kid, it gets transported into a world of yokais and they have to fight this evil yokai who plans on taking over Tokyo and they can like transfer into like the different things. And it was very interesting to, um, like learn about that history and like how it came from, like there's that yokai anime Gekimon or something like that, how it derived from that. And then the other one was there was actually one on a Godzilla toy collecting and how the coronavirus has affected that. And so that was interesting to see. But there, there's a lot of good things. There's, like, there's a panel on like the um, audio effects of kaiju movies. There was one on Ultraman. Many different panels. I really suggest checking it out if you're into 
Godzilla, Kaiju, or Tokusatsu. And then, I guess, more good news. <laughs> Depending on how you look at it. Anime is back. So all of the anime that you've been looking forward to that was put on hold due to the virus is starting to come back. I wanted to say come back online, but just come back on your favorite streaming services. Yeah. So fact, uh, Food Wars, the first new episode in like a couple months, yeah. uh, went live today. So yeah, so here, that's what I'm going to be watching. So Japan had, had declared a state of emergency on April 16th and was lifted on May 25th. And it's kind of crazy because it, it really goes to show you how long it kind of takes to animate a show. Yeah. Uh, because it's been, what, like almost two months at that point to get everything back up and running from from when the state of emergency was lifted? Well, I think it's it, not so much animated the show, because I think most of the show is animated. It's quality control. Yeah. It, yeah. It's all the finishing touches that they do for a show. True. There's a whole long list of anime that uh, is coming back that, I mean, it, it's just too long to list on the show. Uh, a lot of stuff has already returned, uh, as of this recording, there's a lot of other stuff that is going to be released. It looks like in September and October, there's a few things that I'm seeing that won't be back until January of next year. But it looks like the vast majority of the stuff is already out or is going to be coming out within the next couple of weeks, unless otherwise noted check out our site 132productions.com and we'll have a link to full list of everything that is set to come out or is already out thundercats will be back after these messages a little bit of magic happens when you give my child its first kiss on the nose baby ponies have very eyes in our next episode of gi joe Duke finds an unexpected ally in the shadows of the arena of sport. You're just tired because you didn't have a good breakfast like I did. Is this the end of Dargon's loyal friend? Watch the next episode of Sectors by Coleco. Hey there, fans, and welcome to another Tom's Top 5 segment here on Channel 132. This time out, I'm going to be counting down my top five crossovers in geek culture. These could be video games, movies, anime, have what you may. But you know, it's the summertime, and summertime is the time for crossover events. So I thought, what better time than to talk about my favorite crossovers. At number five, we have Super Smash Brothers, particular the latest generation. Now, there have been a litany of Nintendo games that have crossover Nintendo characters and Mario Party, Mario Kart, but with Super Smash Brothers, you get to add in now characters you thought you'd never see in a Nintendo game, like Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, or Terry Bogard from King of the Fighters, or Ryu and Ken from Street Fighter. You know, 
add characters like this and Bayonetta and uh, Solid Snake and add a fast-paced, fun, easy, yet sometimes also irritating, intentionally fighting game, and you just have fun that you can have for hours and hours, and that's just fun to play, even if everybody's always picking that darn Pokemon character to beat you with. The only thing that keeps this further down on the list for me, though, is and unfortunately, this is a game for only good boys and girls, so bad boys like me will have to sit sadly and know that we'll never have my Shirai never in this game. At number four, we have Cartoon All-Stars Come to the Rescue. Yes, the vintage cartoon classic, or as I like to call it, everybody's first cross. It happened in the 1980s as part of President Ronald Reagan's Drug-Free America campaign. Uh, featured crossover from all our favorite cartoon characters at the time. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Smurfs, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Muppet Babies, just to name a few. Uh, this half-hour uh, TV special has a fond memory, I think, in many people's hearts because, again, it's a time of innocence, and it was our first introduction to Don't Do Drug PDAs, or PSAs. Is it a PDA or a PSA? I think it's both, actually. Anyways, the point being, particularly for young kids who didn't know anything about marijuana, Cartoon All-Stars Come to the Rescue was a fun PSA into why we shouldn't do drugs, courtesy of all our favorite cartoons. And you, of course, can still watch this on YouTube, so go check it out next time you have some time. At number three, we have the Capcom vs. series. Now, initially, I had this as Marvel vs. Capcom, but then I got to thinking, and really, you also have to include Capcom vs. SNK and SNK vs. Capcom in this. The, the general point is, for those of us who are fighting game fans, there is no better game series than the many, many different Capcom vs. franchise. Whether it be Capcom vs. SNK, Marvel vs. Capcom, even Street Fighter Cross Tekken are all enjoyable, wonderful fighting games in which our favorite different fighting game franchises from Capcom and whoever they're facing, whether it be the Tekken series or whether it be the King of the Fighters series in SNK, or whether it be our favorite Marvel characters, getting the mix and match in fast-paced, exciting fighting game action where one wrong move could lead you into an insanely non-stop combo that leaves you defeated, just made the franchise one of the premier fighting game franchises to play. I've never, ever not played a Capcom vs. series and not had fun. You know, whether you have fun in a party or whether you can play on a competitive level, the Capcom vs. series is a crossover we can all get behind for an infinite combo. At number two, we go to something for our Tokusatsu fans, like me, Super Hero Tension. Now, this movie franchise started in 2012 with Superhero Tension, which featured 
the first ever crossover between two of Toei's most popular and profitable tokusatsu franchises, Super Sentai and Kamen Rider. And the popularity of that film has spawned many sequels in which Kamen Rider, Super Sentai, and other franchises as part of Toei's tokusatsu franchise, like Super Space Gavin, have crossover to face an oncoming onslaught of a destructive evil force, in which we get to see our favorite Super Sentai teams and favorite Kamen Riders and other tokusatsu team up together to take down evil. Of course, my personal reason to why this series worked is because the first film featured Captain Marvelous, aka Gokai Red, who is the most marvelous ranger who ever lived. Yes, even more marvelous than Tommy. I said it. No, wait, not, not me. That Tommy from Power Rangers. Green Ranger, White Ranger. He was also red and, 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 and black. I'm, I'm sure at some point he was blue. That's besides the point. The point being, superhero tension is the crossover that Tokusatsu fans have wanted for ages. And seeing Kamen Rider and Super Sentai team up and cross over together to face the forces of evil. And it is a must-see for anybody who is a fan of the genre. And at number one, we have Kingdom Hearts. How could I go with anything less than the series that made people realize that as anime fans, they were also Disney fans again. It's really amazing how Disney and Final Fantasy can cross over and combine and yet also make the one of the most gratifying original stories in video game history. Or at least until you get to three. But again, we're, we're, we're not reviewing Kingdom Hearts 3 here. The main point is the franchise was the large franchise very large franchise of smartphone games and Nintendo DS games and card games and the point being Kingdom Hearts has crossed over two favorite beloved franchises of geek culture Disney and Final Fantasy aside an original story with fun believable engaging characters that we all love there's a reason you go to cons and still see tons of Kingdom Hearts cosplayers. Despite, it, it, you know, it 15, 20 year history at this point, almost. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts 2 remains one of the best selling PS2 games of all time. And for good reason. Because of the melding and the crossover of these characters. Needless to say, Kingdom Hearts crossed over into our hearts and made a beloved game series that we will wait ages for the sequel of. Trust me. We waited for Kingdom Hearts 3, and we'll wait for whatever comes next. Well, that's it for my top five crossovers. Just to run down the list again, at number five, we have the Super Smash Brothers series. At number four, we have Cartoon All-Stars Come to the Rescue. At number three, we have the multitude of Capcom versus video game series. At number two, we have Superhero Tension movie franchise. And at number one, we have the Kingdom Hearts 
video game franchise. So that's my list, and until next time, keep checking out channel 132 for more Tom's Top 5. Back to you, Chris. Escape pod landing. Where am I? It's the new Star Wars Land of the Jawas that you put together. It's the new Star Wars Land Speeder. Wow, looks like it's floating. The sand people are coming. It's up to Luke Skywalker and his land speeder to get us out. I'm Gala. Want to buy a droid? Sure, what you got? It's R5-D4 and the power droid. No. And here's Greedo, Han Solo, and Walrus Man. You've had it now, Solo. Yeah. Wow, what a weird place. Introducing Death Star World. All right, so jumping right into the main topic today, uh, a few weeks ago, there were some rumors on the internet about Disney possibly throwing out episodes seven through nine and kind of redoing them. And basically, not only just redoing them, but bringing Lucas back to kind of have him do his vision of what he wanted to have episodes seven through nine be. So I figured that this would be an interesting topic to discuss. And with that, I wanted to bring in other people to talk about it as well. And that barking that you heard wasn't John, but (laughs) it was his dog. (laughs) Yeah, I apologize about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I've I've known John for for a little bit and he's a pretty big uh, Star Wars fan like myself and i figured he'd be a pretty good fit to kind of talk about this stuff as well and and i will say my my first reaction was kind of this is nice but this is kind of ridiculous and i don't see this ever really ever happening but, <laughs> but then i saw other sites report it too and then i was like well there might be some something to this so I figured, you know, let's talk about this. <laughs> so. Well, the something to this is that people really, really do not like episodes seven, eight, and nine, in well, particular eight and nine. <laughs> I will say, episode seven was just okay, and looking no. back at it, I didn't really like it that much, just because it was kind of a rehash of a New Hope. Or yeah, more. exactly. It was New Hope Redux, is basically yeah. what it was. Well, I, I liked it, but I liked it for that reason. Because, again, it's that whole, you know, history repeats itself. You know? And so, like, well, history repeats itself. And I thought setting up the next couple, the episode eight and nine, I thought that was a good thing to do. Looking back, in hindsight being 2020, to what eight and nine were, no. It's not a good setup. <laughs> So for- where I where I was when I came out of the theater for episode seven was I felt like it was a safe movie. Yes, um, I felt like it hit on all the all the numbers that it needed to. It did a lot of fan service. It had a lot of throwbacks. It 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 just felt safe. It felt entertaining. It was fun at the time, and I was like, okay, they made they made the safe play. They won the fans back. Now we're ready to go into a new arena and push Star Wars a little bit further maybe into some storytelling areas that we haven't haven't experienced yet. So, yeah, I think I think everybody left the theater with that like groundswell moment where you see Luke on the hill and you had so many expectations for episode 8 and 9 and the first thing he does 
when he shows up is chuck the lightsaber off the hill yeah and that just set such a low bar for the rest of the movie i was checked out at five minutes in <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i enjoyed episode eight for what it was yes there were issues i mean you had, you had leah flying through space I liked I liked episode eight because it was it was such a departure from from what you'd expect from Star Wars. You're darn right, it was a departure. It's departure to Star Wars to Superman. But it like it did something different, and I liked it because of that. I I I get that. Yeah, but I mean, I will admit that there were a lot of issues with it. But despite that, I did enjoy what we got. Well, but my issue is, I don't mind departures and doing stuff different, but there is still the act of you have to write a congruent story. And it just seemed like a lot of their decisions were not based off, here's an interesting idea, and this is organically with the story. It felt more like, oh, hey... Again, going to the whole being safe and by the numbers for the fans, this is what we think the fan base is, and this is what we think they want, and so we're making decisions in the movie not based off any organic feel to making sense in the story, but, oh, this will make this number happy, and this, like, keeping Leia alive. Like, they had a perfect way to write her out. I mean, her death was tragic. It was. Like, everybody loves Princess Leia. No, nobody's wishing death on anybody. But she unfortunately passed away, and it was a perfect way to write her out of the story, and they didn't. And then her continued use throughout both 8 and 9 just felt awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with that. I, my initial reaction when, you know, when the TIE fighters blew up the bridge and Leia got sucked out into space was that, man, they, they did it. They, they had... <laughs> they had the guts to do it and i was just like man props mad props to them to 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 give her like a hero's death right yeah and yeah i felt like it 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 was odd and it didn't fit the moment at all and it and it again it was one of those it was a weird decision i don't really know where they wanted to go with it because leia really didn't have much of an effect on the rest of the story they literally supermaned her she literally did the superman pose yeah, I feel like yeah, Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, it, it definitely felt like they had a, a bigger purpose for her. So, so nine. I'll say this: I, I'm I I can't really look at any Star Wars movie without you know saying that there are ultimately Star Wars moments in every single one. And I got to tell you, the 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 pieces out of the Last Jedi that really stunned me and and left me thinking about the movie afterwards was Yoda's lesson to Luke on failure, you know, it was such a huge moment, you know, and, and having actually Frank Oz come back and it was a, it was a puppet Yoda. It wasn't CGI. And it was, there was so much care given to that scene. There's, there's so much star Wars right there in that moment. And that, that justifies the movie enough for me because that really felt the heart of the story. And when you get, you know, I say Leia didn't really have much of an effect on the movie, but really, if you hadn't had that moment, that like just that small conversation in the middle of the battle at the end of the movie with Luke and Leia, I mean, that was just poetry. It was so beautiful to see the two of them interact. And that's what we've been wanting to see. We wanted to see brother and sister 
you know, reunited on screen for what, 18 years at that point. So I I don't know. I, there's definitely redeeming value in, in the last Jedi. It's, it just, I feel like a lot of people left with maybe a, a a set, they had swallowed a sour pill or something. You know what I mean? Well, it it wasn't what they wanted. Well, I understand those moments and actually agree with those moments, but they were surrounded by so much for me. It's always about the story. The story has to feel organic. And there's so much about that movie to where the story does not move in any organic fashion whatsoever. It's like have ideas, but they didn't know how to implement them. And it made, they just like, well, just put them all in. And so you have this movie that's entirely too long with, you know, moments that don't connect that aren't organic. Yeah, that whole um, casino scene, like get get rid of that casino plan. They, like, no. Everything about that get rid of. <laughs> but yeah, it's that and then episode nine. I don't know. It for me, episode nine kind of just felt like a mess in a way. <laughs> yeah. But episode uh, nine is also why I go to that whole they're doing things by oh, this is our demographic. And it's like so episode eight felt like, oh well we've we brought in this whole new bunch of uh, sort of new age fans that are that want things that are more based off politics and I'm trying to be safe in some of the words used here, but like sort of like uh, want more sort of social commentary in there. So there's a lot of social commentary it seems in episode eight, but then all the old school stars. So we're gonna make this episode nine for the old school Star Wars fans, and it made it worse. And it's like your job as a producer and a director is to have a vision and follow it and to have the goal to follow it through. Not constantly change everything up just to make a couple of fans who are angry that they're not getting what they want happy. There was absolutely no direction for this franchise. Yeah. You know what? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. You can go on because I was going to kind of start moving into like the rumors and stuff there. So, oh, so, so yeah. The the only thing I would say about like the you know you 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 flipped the lever one way with the Le- last Jedi. You went with something completely different, and then again the the rise of Skywalker felt like a safe play. Uh, it, they hit the you know the good moments with Lando, the the Rebel fleet showing up at the end. You know. I, I felt like it was again. It was a safe movie, just like the Force, the Force Awakens was. And you'd already moved so far from that point. You probably should have gone further down the spiral that the Last Jedi did and finished that story instead of trying to undo what you did in the previous story. You know what I mean? So, like what you said, it's it's a mess. It's a mess because everything that they laid the groundwork for in the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi seemed to. The, like the last Jedi erased the Force Awakens, and Rise of Skywalker erased the Last Jedi. I, they were all trying to like <laughs> clear up what the guy before them did. Yeah. You know? so supposedly fix the supposed mess that wasn't really a mess, but it's, it's also like there were so many good ideas before this. The three films happened, but even in the three films that they didn't follow up on from Episode Seven, it's like you know, I know, I think I was one of many people that when this trilogy was announced was hoping. Oh, they're gonna bring Maria Jade into the you know yeah. the franchise, you yeah. know, with her being married to Luke and it be their child that gets followed. But then by the end of episode seven, it's like, oh man, you know what? By the end of this trilogy, they're gonna have um, 
John Bogaira's character be a Jedi, you know? And, yeah. And like he's he's related to Lando. It's like there's just one example of a story idea that I think everybody we see this coming and we like this idea and just it feels like so many good ideas are just left on the table. Because again, they had no direction. Yeah, I, I don't want to lay all the blame <laughs> on on Kathleen Kennedy, but well, it's not I, her, not even her. It, but, I'll tell you to lay the blame on Disney. <laughs> true, but she's kind of also steered the ship at Lucasfilm for a while as well. And but, but I say I say Disney for this reason. No. It, Yes, to a certain extent, because they own the property now and they have a certain responsibility to sell stuff. That's true, but they've been playing it safe. Yes. I guess it's the best way to put it, but, you know... Yeah, they don't want to take the risks. It's not even that they want to take... They don't want anything that could even remotely cause any negativity towards the brand. And if I could just bring up a great example, look at how they've dealt with Song of the South forever. Yeah. Like they're changing Splash Mountain because basically they don't want to talk about Song of the South. They never want to talk about it. And the point is we want to talk about Song of the South. We want to have that discussion. Yeah. (laughs) Don't get rid of it. Don't never sell a DVD of it. We want to talk so that that's why I blame Disney. Yeah. It's all about their image and So I think like the, the biggest betrayal that a lot of people felt to going into The Force Awakens uh was that or or I should back up. I think the biggest betrayal that people felt when Disney bought Lucasfilm was the announcement made that all of the expanded universe was non canon because they were going all in on the Clone Wars series and they wanted that to be the canon the, or the, the new canon, which, yes, is good, but no to the expanded universe because those are some really good stories there and make a lot more sense. Whereas throwing out the expanded universe and trying to make up your own stuff is kind mm-hmm. of a slippery slope because you're throwing out all of this story that you have that you can pull from like um the young jedi uh, do you remember the young jedi story trilogy uh novels john uh, where it followed the where uh han solo and leia had like twins that yeah. became jedis yeah and that's kind of where even kylo's name comes from a little bit you know it's because luke had a kid named ben skywalker you know so it's kind of he's an, an amalgamation of Jaina, Jason, and Ben Skywalker, you know? So I I, I, I mean, I, I see where they picked and choose. They, they kind of cherry picked the expanded universe. It was, it was, it was a bad decision, but I think they didn't really have another one they could make because think about uh, like, what kind of movie could you have made with Star Wars where it was at the point where they picked up the universe? So think about it in terms of you had the Yuuzhan Vong, which, you know, basically you now had creatures from outside the galaxy that were immune to the Force. You had Chewie was dead. You had uh, Boba Fett now had an army. You had all these things that there is no way you're going to be able to scoop it all up into a nice single-serving story. 
right? Because you're gonna yeah. you're gonna you're gonna make somebody mad no matter what, right? So, I mean, I, nobody can disagree that Thrawn, the Thrawn trilogy, was probably the cream of the crop in in all of the ex, the expanded universe stuff. You know, the Dark Force Rising, the Last Command, those books, those they came back in the mid '90s. They were the first thing we had of Star Wars in a decade, right? And everybody ate it up. It was so good. And you get that. You get Thrawn still exists in canon now. You know, granted, he's kind of shoved off to the side with Rebels, but I don't know. He still exists somewhere in the universe, so he'll come back at some point. You know, he's there somewhere. He's just off in the outer rim somewhere. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree and I disagree about the expanded universe being cut off. Uh, because how do you how do you tell your story? You know what I mean? Because it yeah. was the Star Wars was literally like the Wild West for twenty years. You know, you had kind of a a loose story group that you could go upon like this arc. You can touch these things, but not these things. And yeah, I mean I I I was kind of checked out of Star Wars after the like the third or fourth book in the Yuzen Vong series. There was twenty five that came out in that series. There's no way, man. I mean, yeah. I know some people read it, but that was just way too much stuff. But at the same time, I think, again, it goes back to having somebody put their foot down. Like, if this is what we're going to do and having an actual vision, an actual, like, story, even if it means, you know, we're going to – because that's what Marvel did. You know, Marvel said, you know, even if they didn't write out the scripts directly of what each movie did, they put together, like, okay, so – we need to do these movies before this movie and this, and they planned out what they were going to do. And so they had a direction and it's the sole reason why the Marvel C uh, Marvel CVU is so good. Yeah. I, I only disagree in that. I think they tested the waters with Iron Man and they had an unexpected hit. And if you notice, Iron Man one has nothing to do with the MCU. He is. It is now, but he, he. There was no connective tissue to anything else. I think they, they stumbled into something, and they tried to build it. I think they. The problem with Star Wars is Star Wars is not like Star Wars is not Marvel, right? Star yeah. Wars is kind of more widely known than Captain America and and Iron Man. It's 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 one of the most recognizable brands in the world. Yeah, arguably. So I don't think, uh, I don't know, man, it would, it would have been so hard to make everyone happy, you know? Uh, and, and when, when you take over a company, what do you do? You make it yours, right? Yeah. So they, they had to go in and clean house. It, it, it hurt. It sucked because my favorite storyline that ever came out was uh, shadows of the empire. And that's gone. That's in the trash. Uh, there's pieces of it that still exist. Like, you know, uh, Dash Rendar's ship is in the ex- uh, the special edition of uh, A New Hope. You know, it's like you couldn't get rid of all of it. <laughs> you know, it's like he's, he still exists, at least somewhere. <laughs> but it, what I'm saying, though, is it, it's not so much about you're going to make everybody happy because there's no way to do that. Yeah. But again, it goes back to the whole point of having some having leadership and having a direction saying, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to derive from it, no matter what, you know, these, the people in the demographic, you know, are telling us. 
this is what our plan is. These are our directions. And then you go from there. Yeah. Yeah. With, with the leadership and everything. So the, the rumors are saying uh, there's a YouTube channel called the Doomcock Overlord DVD YouTube channel. <laughs> um, oh wait, it says Doomcock. Yeah, yeah. Doom no, it's not. It, uh, yeah, it's not Doomcock. I'm, I'm sure that's the the rooster and not the other thing. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that's what I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> basically, saying that there's a civil war happening over at Lucasfilm uh, between Kathleen Kennedy and John Favreau, and that they're they're claiming to have a a reset planning that involves Kathleen Kennedy stepping down and possibly having John Favreau being named the new head of Lucasfilm, which wouldn't be too surprising because John Favreau has had some success with the Mandalorian and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I could see Disney seeing uh, definitely looking to, to him to be the new head uh, since it's, I think the Mandalorian had given Disney plus like the highest uh, subscription rates that they had when the uh, service was released. What was it last year or earlier this year? Or no, uh, it was September, September, October, I think is when it came yeah. out. Man, that was so, it felt like it was yesterday. Uh, so this tw- 2020 is like a decades long year. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm just going to kind of go on to this this article here that was written on cosmicbook.news. So basically they're saying that the they're claiming that this Disney Star Wars trilogy will be erased uh, using a concept that was recently made canon in the Star Wars Rebel Rebels animated series. Uh, so in season 4 episode 13 installment titled A World Between Worlds, the concept of the Veil of the Force was introduced which is a mystical dimension of the force that connects all time and space. And uh, Doomcock had it was saying, I have received confirmation from two additional sources claiming that this is spot on, that indeed Lucasfilm realizes they have a massive problem on their hands and that Star Wars franchise is all but dead. And despite Kathleen Kennedy's hatred of this idea, Lucasfilm is prepared to render the sequel tril- trilogy null and void. I kind of disagree that Lucas that the Star Wars franchise is all but dead. There there's plenty of other projects that they were talking about that would have keep kept it alive. I mean, there's another season of The Mandalorian happening. And there were a few other movies that were being planned, but I guess have now all been canceled over this. I or Boba uh, Fett movie. <laughs> the the Boba Fett movie, I think, was pretty much canned after how horrible uh, Solo did. Well, I think, and also because uh, there was a huge director shakeup, I think the guy that was supposed to direct, either it was either Episode Nine or the Boba Fett movie was the same guy who directed that Fantastic Four movie. Uh, and yeah. I think based upon that, and I, I guess there was a lot of stuff he was doing behind the scenes that he was just maybe removed from the final production of the movie. Yeah. And uh, so they, they cut ties with him and that's how solo even moved up on the chain. So yeah, yeah, there's, there's been director problems with Lucasfilm since episode seven started. And then people have just been demanding a Obi-Wan, some sort of Obi-Wan thing well before a Boba Fett movie was ever released anyway. So I think they realized that the fans want Obi-Wan more than they want Boba Fett. So, which I think they said that the Obi-Wan stuff is going to be starting production soon. 
Yeah, so I know that's going to be another show, like a six-episode show on Disney Plus. Yes. And uh, the the rumor that I heard recently is that uh, Hayden Christensen signed on to play Anakin in the show, as in like flashback Anakin. Oh, interesting. Which, which oh man, I, I just if this is going to be like an introspective show about Obi Wan in the desert, I'm all about it. You oh, know, yeah. l- low action. You know, you know, high high drama. You know, just like how he's dealing with his depression and stuff like that. I'm, I'm all about it. I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah. But I'm sorry. I, I, I sidetracked. Sorry about that. No, no, no problem there. I fan, I fanboyed. (laughs) (laughs) So the article continues on saying, uh, it said that the events from the force awakens, last Jedi and Skywalker, uh, will be removed from Canon, isolated in their own alternate timeline and regarded as else worlds like installments under the label of star Wars legends. And um, continuing the DC theme, but continue. Yeah, so so they're explaining it as like a Star Wars multiverse will be created, which uh, will isolate the Disney Star Wars trilogy as being part of a separate universe that is not part of the George Lucas original Star Wars films. And then there's some kind of, I guess, backstory or lore here that kind of explains how this would happen. Basically, Emperor Pepitine has a bunch of mirrors. Yeah, so El Emperor Palpatine has a room on the second Death Star called the Room of Mirrors. The mirrors were created by the Emperor prior to the Death Star through the dark side using ancient Sith rituals. These mirrors linked to the Veil of the Force served many purposes. Using them, Palpatine could manipulate the Force in many ways further to further his aims. For example, the use of the mirrors allowed Palpatine to cloud the Jedi Council to conceal himself and his dark apprentices from the Jedi from the for- and from Force sensitives that followed their fall. Uh, using the mirrors, Palpatine allowed Palpatine to access the awesome powers of the Veil of the Force. They were indispensable tools that allowed him to rise to the pinnacle of ultimate power. It is this conceit that explained how Palpatine survived Darth Vader, throwing him down the shaft in, in the throne room of the Death Star. In desperation as he fell, Palpatine opens a, a portal to the Veil of the Force and entered it. This explains why Palpatine is in such a damaged state in the Rise of Skywalker, as transporting himself into the Veil without the aid of mirrors drained him and damaged him severely. And then this uh, source explains that the Emperor created a second set of mirrors on Exegol, which allowed him to, to escape where he plotted the Rise of the Empire. And then basically, the explanation to split like this this universe here is that in the George Lucas trilogy that would continue something happens that prevents the emperor from from teleporting to the the veil so he's never able to go back into the mirrors and he actually does die and never goes to Ex- Exegol to revive the em- empire and then now we move into the the george lucas trilogy or so it's going to be called or or will be called or whatnot so so yeah it's it'll be interesting if it happens i think it's going to leave a lot of people who kind of scratching their heads and i think there's going to be people that are going to be very i don't know the fence sitting here too because it's like to do we really want to go through another George Lucas trilogy? Is he going to botch it as bad as he did as the prequel trilogy or cuz it basically what they're what they're talking about too is that they're going to have Lucas either 
come on to direct the next, the other three, or at least have him be a heavy creative consultant in the new episodes seven through nine. Well, by the way, the shorter working explanation for all of that was um, Star Wars, a crisis on infinity earths. Um, (laughs) And the joke about DC earlier. Well, a couple things. One, uh, John Favreau is, is, you know, they have a lot of trust in him for Iron Man, and he worked on Jungle Book and Lion King, yep. which I don't know how hard it is to direct Lion King. It's a CG recreation of the animated movie, which, go watch the animated movie, it's better. Anyways, but no, they have a lot of faith in him, so... So, I'm kind of interested to see what's going to happen. And I think if I think this time around, if George is involved, that he's not going to be surrounded by a bunch of yes men that will let him do whatever he wants. And, you know, you're especially having John Favreau and you're having Disney that's going to be able to kind of reel him in and control him better, which I think might give us a better product in the end. If yeah. it does actually happen. So I'll, I'll I'll bite on both sides of the fence. So let let's just say that this is going to happen, right? And that there's going to be a George Lucas trilogy. Yep. I think I think the best way to describe George Lucas, he's a visionary, right? <laughs> he's not a good director, and no one would ever say that he is. He hit on Star Wars, which was a fluke. Uh, American Graffiti was a pet project, and it hit. And he didn't direct episode. Empire or Jedi. Yeah. yeah. So he was yeah, not the director. So, so that's the thing is, I, I think, I, I think Star Wars was just such a fluke, and it hit at the right time because you think you gotta, you gotta go back in time to to understand what movies were back in the seventies when Star Wars hit in seventy seven or se- I'm sorry, seventy six. No, it was seventy seven. Everything was like doom and gloom, and like uh, it was like disaster movies, like Towering Inferno, or all these kind of things, and like the, the Poseidon Adventure and those kind of things. Earthquake. Uh, Exactly. Everything was doom and gloom and blah, blah, blah. The, or, the world was ending. All of a sudden you have this this like epic tome come out and it just hits with everybody. Right. And the, the entire summer, it doesn't leave the theater, you know, and it just becomes this cultural phenomenon, you know, and just all the kids are just like in it because there hasn't been a good sci fi flick in forever. You know, Star Trek was long yeah. gone at this point. And then um, you add in the toys. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it just, it hit on the, it hit everything at the right time. You know, the, the eighties hit and all the toys came out and everybody was getting them and collecting them, blah, 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 blah. It just became something cultural. And so the thing is it became, it became bigger than George. And I think where he, like you, you hit it perfectly. And there was my complaint about the prequels is so many people were, that were those kids like us that were sitting in the theater for the original trilogy and then all of a sudden, you know, they get an opportunity to work on this next set of movies. They're just so excited to be there. They're afraid to to lose the dream. And they're not going to tell George Lucas, hey, that's a bad idea, dude. Let's not do yeah. that. That's stupid. You know, and he should never have directed. He should have he should have been creative consultant. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, but he's creative consultant on The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's that's the perfect suit for him because the thing is it's like no one knows the lore of Star Wars better than George Lucas because it is literally from his brain. Yep. And so 
I would never want to see George Lucas go back to the directing chair. I'm going to say that flat out. If it, so if, if he, at least not without, you know, somebody, no, there not to, at all, <laughs> not at all. No, I would have to agree with you on that one. Um, I think he's, I think even he's hung up that, that hat. I think where, where he's being a creative consultant, I think he's probably happier <laughs> being on the sidelines, letting somebody else do the heavy lifting of all the producing and the directing and making sure the actors get to set and make sure that the costumes aren't broken, you know, all that stuff, you know, let, let him come on and say, Oh, you should twist it this way. And that's actually how the Mandalorian should have his visor down because that's what he would do in this point. You know what I mean? Just those little bits that only he knows or the, the insight that he has, what could the story be? I mean, are you going to tell another story of, Luke Han and Leia or their kids or whatever, it's impossible because you you've lost Carrie Fisher at this point. Yeah. I would never, ever want to see anybody in that role but Carrie Fisher. And you can't have her. You know? And, and if, if I can add a caveat to this, also I do not want to see any more digital recreation. So I'll say what they did in the Rise of Skywalker and cutting around her footage from The Force Awakens. It was okay. It was it was hammy every once in a while because the dialogue was very static around her. Everybody was saying yes or no to her, or she was just doing reaction takes and stuff like that. Stuff that would naturally have been on the cutting room floor. So I, I liked what they I liked that they honored her in not putting like the the Leia at the end of Rogue One looked terrible. Oh yeah, it looked horrible, and I I don't want to see that. I don't do not, which is why I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, and I agree. I agree. But I like the, the, the way they met in the middle of, you know, even rolling back Ray's costume to what she looked like in the force awakens so that she could give Leia a hug from actual footage, you know, but they're not going to have it, that. No, it made sense to me, you know, no. And, and that's what I'm saying is there's no way you can tell a story in the, 20 years post return of the Jedi because you know, uh, it, it almost Harrison Ford is done. Yeah. Right? He doesn't want to come back. And I think at this point, Mark Hamill wants to leave too. He's, I think he's done, you he know, might, he might come back, but I think you're better off probably taking it 50 to a hundred years after Jedi. Yeah, and then you're you're telling a completely different story anyway, and yeah. so therefore the whole idea of retconning the the three sequel movies is is just le- let them let them stay where they are, let them find their place in history, let somebody dust them off later. They'll just kind of be what they are, move on to something else, tell a story in the old republic, tell a story in a generation past when like let let Ray's story play out into the future like the jedi are reborn take it like you said 100 years later let there be some you know reference to the story that she was in yeah you know that ray re- reignited the or rebuilt the jedi temple on coruscant well you know? one of the things i would is another thing that i was disappointed at was you know considering that lucas was hugely influenced by samurai as far as in the making the jedi and all of that if you really look at the prequels and then the original trilogy, you know, there's connection there to the main characters being like the, uh, the three I'm blanking on the name, but uh, like 
you can see like uh, Anakin is like, um, what's his name? Good old what? Good old what's his name? Never forget. Good old what's his name? <laughs> no, he's a famous figure in Japanese history in uniting all of Japan in the uh, 1600s, and he like. He's like one of the first ones to use guns. He, um, so, I, sounds like you need to go to Google. I, you guys keep thinking, I'll be back. <laughs> Get that Google foo going, and and we'll we'll be back to you. But yeah. um, I, yeah. you know, I I think it, in a general sense, I think it, it would be ridiculous to think that after a company spent multiple. I, w- I would willing. I don't know what the production value of all three movies and marketing and everything, but it's got to be in the billions, right? For yeah. three movies, especially of the caliber of Star Wars, especially with the the Disney parks too, where you have integrated all, all that uh, stuff pieces yeah, from those yeah. movies. Yeah, so it's yeah. And so here's so I I think the idea of of nuking those movies and starting over is ridiculous. Do I think Kathleen Kennedy might be shown the door? Possibly, you know, because, you know, there's 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 definitely unrest in the Star Wars nerddom. But the thing is, here's 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 how I break it down is so obviously my trilogy is the original trilogy, Han, Luke and Leia. But when my nephew grew up, I took the first movie I took him to see as soon as I could was The Phantom Menace. And so what's interesting is from his perspective, he loves the prequels. Right, because he grew up with them. That was yeah. his Star Wars, his generation Star Wars. So the thing is, I look at the the new series of movies as not belonging to me. They're not meant for me. You know, I as a Star Wars fan, I'm going to go see them, but it's meant for, you know, my nephew's kids' generation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so and it's. I think. I'm sorry, go ahead. Just to kind of shoehorn into that. I think what they did with Clone Wars and with Rebels is they did a great job with bridging that gap between this is the young person's kind of story, but this is also for the older people as well. Because the storytelling that they've done in Clone Wars and in Rebels is some of the best storytelling in the whole star wars franchise Absolutely. In my opinion, that i've seen come out of any of the movies didn't well, they bring somebody from rebels was it like at the end of solo uh, uh saw guerrero was in rogue one he was in clone wars and yeah. rebels no um by the way i'm back from google um okay. <laughs> nobunaga okay so, um, like, if you know the history of Japan, there was Nobunaga who wanted to reunite, who wanted to unite all of Japan, and he didn't use tactics that everybody liked, and so he was originally assassinated, and then he was uh, basically by his best friend. He was succeeded by Tomotomi Hideyoshi, who brought sort of brought everything together, and then uh, Tomogawa Ishiro. Uh, finally united all of Japan under sort of samurai rule. And so, so, if you had to, so that would be the Anakin then. Yeah, so <laughs> Anakin would be Nobunaga. Luke would be uh, Hideyoshi. And then Rei would be Ishi, uh, uh, Iyashu. 
in that she finally unites the both the dark side and the light side of the force together, being that she grandfather was the leader of the dark side of the force, but she was taught by the light side of the force and the whole. And I think that's where they should be going to where like reuniting the, the sort of Jedi force, the light side and the dark side together. So you're talking about gray Jedi. Yeah. Neither, neither good nor bad. See, I, 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 I think that misses the whole point of the, the movies in the begin to begin with, because it's the struggle against good versus bad. It's not somebody riding the, riding the line between the two. So it's, it's a, it's a classic good versus evil, you know, hero's journey. You know, I think that's what resonated with us. I, 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 I out of hand disagree with like the gray Jedi should be the, the way to go. I, I, well, I, mean, I wouldn't even call it the gray Jedi. You know, it's it's the idea of we live in a world where, like, oh well, uh, the good guys are so pure and they always do the right thing, and the bad are you know always do bad. But I think we live in a world where you know we don't accept that. You know, we don't accept you know that the good people are always right and always do the right thing. And that bad people are always doing the wrong thing. I think, you know, movies always will reflect the culture that they are made in. And that's I disagree. Really- I disagree because why did you go to movies? Is it to, to look at your life or to be entertained? Are you so, okay, take, take captain America. He's always doing the right thing. When he stood up against Thanos on that field by himself, he was still doing the right thing. And the reason why you love him, even if you hate Chris Evans, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's because he's doing the right thing and he inspires you to do good things. So that's the thing is like, okay, the reason why Luke is my hero, right? From, from the time I remember, I always loved Luke. You know, Han, like everyone wants to say that Han is the best or whatever. No, Luke Skywalker, because the thing is, he was always looking for the right path. And that's something that inspires me because, yes, I fall. I do bad stuff all the time. I, I betray myself all the time. My my moral compass wants to point north, but I make choices that 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 send it south all the time. Right. And but the thing is, is like I look at I look at character like Luke larger than life he's given the lightsaber he goes on the journey you know dude when he comes out in return of the jedi and does that flip off the off the skiff i still get goosebumps the the music is perfect the mood is perfect all of a sudden what's going to happen he's about to die blah 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 blah. he flips the tables on them literally and wipes out all of jabba's henchmen single-handedly that's what a hero is he's something bigger than yourself and so i think the reason why we go to movies is to see that thing that's bigger than yourself. If you're going to see, if you see yourself in a movie, yeah, there's 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 room for those movies, sure. But in a in an action flick, do I really want to see John the Jedi? <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry, I don't want to see that at all. But, I want to see but, a hero. But my only that is what connects us to Luke is that we see something in Luke that we see in ourselves. We see something in the characters that we're following in ourselves. And that's something that connects us to these characters. You know, whether it be they're going through something similar that we're going through, or whether it's they would make a choice that we would make, or so on and so on, that's what connects us to these characters. 
yeah, you you definitely see yourself like you know again the failure lesson he learned in the Last Jedi. Love or hate that movie, that was a that was a lesson I needed to learn at the time. Failure isn't a reason to stop. It's a it's a reason to learn, right? Yeah. So, and I think I think honestly that's why I didn't enjoy Luke in the Last Jedi as much because I felt like he was too much like me. He lost he'd lost the farm boy spark in his eye looking to the horizon Luke Skywalker. He he faltered for a minute, right? And it took a a wise teacher to get him back on course. So, I don't know. I mean, I I'm sorry. I know we got way far away <laughs> from talking about the rumors, but I I think just if I were to run it back, I think it would be impossible to expect a company the size of Disney to admit a failure like that, a, a triple failure. I don't see them retconning the movies. I see them maybe letting them find their own audience and moving on. You know, um, I, I think I think it's realistic that Kathy, Kathleen Kennedy could be on the way out and John Favreau might take over because they've been looking for a Kevin Feige for the Star Wars universe. And, you know, like Kevin Feige proved himself, you know, producing the you know, the first couple connective tissue Marvel movies. And they said, okay, you've got something here. Run with it. You know, let's see how far you can go. And he got, what, 22 movies in? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's something that's going to be hard to duplicate by anybody. And I don't think it should be, honestly. I think that was a unique thing. I don't think it should be copied. I, I, if every franchise becomes so formulaic to be the Marvel Universe... I think we're going to get bored real fast. And I think if you do that with Star Wars, there is going to be too many people burnt out. Exactly. And I'm, and, and I'm burnt out of superhero movies. Like, yeah. so my, my preferred universe is DC, right? And I, I, I lament the DC movies. Like I love, I love Superman. I love Batman, Green Lantern, uh, but that movie <laughs> was just terrible. I, I mean, it hurts to it hurts to admit that Green Lantern is my favorite, you know, comic book character. Just to know that that steaming pile is out there somewhere. <laughs> but you know, at the time when you know Justice League and Batman Superman came out, I was so done with superhero flicks at that point because Marvel ruined it for me. I don't want to. I don't want Star Wars to become that. And Star Wars is almost becoming that. With the we you know in six years we had five movies, yep. right? And I I never thought I would be at a place where I would say that's too much, because I'm used to one movie every three years over the course of nine years. Give me three movies and then let me sit for ten years. Yep. Give me books. Give me comics. Maybe a maybe a cartoon here or there. Something some sort of multimedia thing. A game. Whatever. That's Star Wars has always been at its best when it's scarce. Yes. But I mean, I wouldn't mind having slightly like a couple of TV shows like The Mandalorian and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, keep the movies to a minimum because it's just, yeah, it gets to be too much. Yeah. Um, but again, I think, I think throwing these movies away and, and redoing episode seven through nine is a big mistake. Uh, I think you're going to have a lot more anger than you yeah, would, exactly. would love from the fans. And I think if you were to continue on with kind of the Skywalker story of Star Wars, just pick up where you left off 
but make it where it's an extended period of time on where you left off on episode nine or just not even really refer to episode or, or don't even really refer to uh, episodes one through nine have a completely separate story but leave like the skywalker legend or lore but like there as kind of i don't know a backstory or something or, or just something to build upon but make a completely different story yeah um, I mean, for years, I've been wanting an Old Republic just movie or something because there is so much there that you can just build upon that's just not even, like, there's so much that you can make yourself because there's just not a lot really there. So it's just an open book for you to work on. I think that's uh, what everybody really wants them to do is yeah. bring in some new blood through and through both television and through animation, you know, tackle all this great content that you have because you have the Star Wars catalog, like Knights of the Old Republic, uh, the Young Jedi's, the stories of Maria Jade that came out uh, from the comics after she became Papa Carrier. You have all this stuff that you can play with. So play with that first through TV both live action television and live action, and no, not live action. I was gonna say live action animated, that makes no sense, but through live action <laughs> television and through animated television series, and then you can develop a universe that you can go to for the next series of films. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I honestly, instead of looking back, I, I kind of so. My problem with looking back in any so even if you go back a thousand years, you're gonna you're gonna have like little Easter eggs of, you know, like you you'd have to have like a Yoda, you know what I mean, a baby Yoda in there somewhere, like the Yoda training at the Jedi Temple or something like that. If you go a thousand years into the past, yeah, um, I almost would rather go into the future, into like you said earlier, a hundred years, two hundred years, a thousand years into the future of the Star Wars universe. Let the the legends of the Empire and the New Republic kind of fall away, you know, and just see where the the universe is, you know, what what conceptualize what would happen to a galactic populace, you know, if the Jedi did return and they learned their lessons from the past, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, there, yeah. There's 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 literally a, a blank canvas. I'll say this though, leave Dave Filoni alone Le- let that man do whatever he wants with star wars because <laughs> he gets it because the thing i think with clone wars he's he did something amazing in giving all of the clones personalities oh yeah fleshing out anakin and making you kind of believe that there was actually a good relationship between anakin and padme not just some weird <laughs> like <laughs> they were both captured at the same time. So yeah. naturally we have to fall in love five minute love scene kind of thing. You know, I, he, he took the time and fleshed out the story between the story. I would actually like to see, give Dave Filoni the job to flesh out everything in between. So, you know, I know they have the, that, uh, the rebellion show or what the resistance show, but that really, I never really got that one. Um, it never really hit with me. It was like, what, like a year or two before uh, the new movies. I, I honestly want to see something in the realm of like an animated Luke's Jedi Academy. Yeah. 
like tell tell Luke's story, you know, in in a way, and then have it end with the rise of Kylo Ren, you know, and then that's when he goes into hiding, and then add some value to these movies, right? Yeah. Because yeah. because the thing is that's what that's what the Clone Wars did for the prequels. Yep. I mean, I can't ignore all the all the story beats that happen in the Clone Wars cartoon. I don't know if you saw the recent series, the seventh season yes. of the Clone Wars that goes up to Order sixty six. I mean, man, that was some good storytelling. And to know that it it interspliced into episode three, I was like, man, this is extending further into the story than I thought it was going to. You know, and it just it ended so perfectly. That last episode needs to win some sort of award on the cinematography alone. Yeah, the the scene with Vader in the snow was yeah. was epic Star Wars. I mean, it, it was it was what like ten minutes of just no dialogue, just exactly in, in music. I mean, it was such a beautiful, beautiful end to a series. It was a it was a love story. It was a, it was a, it was basically a poem to Star Wars, yeah. and so I I really my hope and I think we'd all agree is that you know I hope we'd all agree. Sorry, uh, <laughs> is that Dave Filoni is doing great things for Star Wars in fleshing out the larger story arcs and and giving you the 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 nuts and bolts. Let him keep doing yeah. that. Let him you know I know he's directing episodes of The Mandalorian. Let him. Let him off the chain. Let him do what he does. Yeah. If John Favreau is able to gather a bunch of directors that are interested in pushing Star Wars into new areas, great. Because I know also a lot of the directors that were on The Mandalorian were kind of being tested to see what they could do with Star Wars in a limited sense. And now they're going to be given something bigger. I think, uh, I don't know her name, but I think she directed the episode where the Mandalorian went back to his old crew and they busted the guy out of jail on the Republic ship uh, episode like five or six. And I think the, the uh, whoever I can't, and I apologize. I don't remember her name. I think she's going to be directing the Obi-Wan series. Oh, nice. Okay. So I think there's definitely a, at least a farm that's happening of directors Mm -hmm. that are, that are kind of giving them, you know, uh, an edge in. I know, is it Taika Waititi who directed Thor Ragnarok? I think he was given a movie in Star Wars. Okay, yeah. That sounds so, familiar, yeah. So, yeah. I'm all about it, dude. All about it. All right. So I know, I just want one thing. I want more Padme. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's, she's dead. Yeah, she's dead. <laughs> she, she died of a broken heart, don't you remember? <laughs> Actually, I have not seen the seventh or sixth season yet. Tell no, no, no. That's, that's episode three. Uh-huh. She died of a broken heart. <laughs> she just lost the will to live yeah so does anyone have anything else to add that- yeah i mean i'll just reiterate i think it, i think the i think what the what has been floated out there by this doom clock guy yeah it's it, i think half of it's true half of it's half of it's dreaming uh, yeah. i i would i would imagine that kathleen kennedy i don't think she'll be like marched out you know and fired but I think she'll quietly move on to other things. Yeah. Probably with Disney. Cause I mean, she's, she's not bad at what she does. I just don't think, I, I don't know why I maybe just star Wars doesn't click with her because the thing is she's been sides. She's been along with 
Spielberg and Lucas all through the eighties. Look at yeah. every, look at every movie that Spielberg did and you'll see Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, she's all over star Wars, you know? So it's not like she's new to this, but maybe, maybe being a creative director isn't really her thing. Yeah. So I, I think she'll, she'll maybe move quietly onto something else. Maybe John Favreau will take over. Uh, if, if that's the case, that's not a bad choice. Because I, I think he's got a rapport with a lot of people. If you've ever watched uh, even the Mandalorian stuff, the behind the scenes stuff that they released, his rapport with all the directors, you know, he wants to know them personally, not just not just what they envision, but what they what they want to do and 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 how they think and how they tick. You know, I, I just think it's it's an interesting approach. It's like a holistic approach to uh, storytelling. You know. Yep. All right. Uh, before we wrap up uh is there anything that you'd like to plug or anything john anything i'd like to plug um (laughs) (laughs) my paypal account sure you want to send me something (laughs) no uh nothing really man i appreciate it i appreciate uh you inviting me out here tonight yeah no it it, it was a really good conversation that we've we were able to have here Uh, i i would like to plug uh, a star wars thing since if you guys want more sort of insight on the divide of at least of the three films, um, there is a YouTube channel called Retro Blasting, and and the gentleman who I know did a very good video on like why the movies didn't work, you know, basically, and sort of the divide that's happening among uh, why what Disney wanted to do didn't work. So I, I would suggest watching those videos because I think. They provide some good information as well. Okay. All right. All right. Well, John, thank you again for for taking some time out in your evening to discuss Star Wars with us. Oh man, that's easy, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, for further or to get previous and current episodes of Channel One Thirty Two, you can check out our website at. 132productions.com uh, we're also I believe we're, we're on iTunes at this point I still need to double check that I haven't gotten confirmation back from them uh, we are on Google podcast or Google music or whatever the platform that they're using this month uh, we are on Stitcher and Spotify uh, you can just search for us for our, uh, on channel 132 podcast you can email us at channel at 132 productions.com we're also on twitter and i finally fixed instagram just look for us at channel underscore 132 and i think that's it so for thomas john and myself been episode two and until episode three whenever we release that stay tuned to the channel